they're Ben and Aaron And they love sharing About their love for Jesus And food covered in cheeses Weird news, history, sports regaled From a generation raised playing Oregon Trail National celebrations almost every day There's only one thing I have to say Don't you point or stare their lack of hair. Yes, they're follically challenged, so sing along with the biblical Baldy Ballad. Get out of here, Baldy. Get out of here, Baldy. If you don't know what I mean, read 2 Kings chapter 2, verse 23. Get out of here, Baldy. Get out of here, Baldy. If you don't know what I mean, if you don't know what I mean, come and take a listen to your two bald kings. Blessed be baldy buddies and welcome to another episode of the Get Out of Here Baldy podcast. I'm your host, Aaron Michaud, and I'm joined by, as always, Pastor Ben Hitsfield, who is also now a professional dog walker. <laughs> That's true, man. Yeah. So I um I get paid to walk dogs at our local research facility. So um, my day off, I go in and get to do that, and then uh, before going to the office, I get paid to walk two hours around the facility. So, I mean, I can't tell. I probably did. Oh uh, gosh, I did five walks before eleven, and then two more after that. So, and they're each like fifteen minute walks. So it's fun. That's my gym. That's my gym. Hopefully, uh, you don't get there and there's like a three-headed cerebrus dog. Oof, like in uh, Harry days. Potter. Yeah, that would yeah, be there you go. very dangerous. Very dangerous. But folks, I can tell you this. If, if you're getting Purina pet food, they go to great lengths to make sure that it's tested and that animals like it. So that's there all I got to go. say. And they get out. They get their walks. They do. They get socialization. They get, their, they get, they get human interaction quite a bit. So I love it. Mm-hmm. So, before we get into the show, how about them Chiefs, man? Uh, You know, I just, like, I'll tell you what, yesterday I just was so relaxed compared to previous years. Because for me, this entire playoffs, I just kind of assumed we would shoot ourselves in the foot and we'd lose the game. And so I refused to just be like, I'm I'm, I'm just not going to get worked up over it this this year. And, And, I mean, there were a few times. I was like, man, you could do better. Come on. You know, like we're in this thing. But for the most part, up until we won, I was like, we're going to the Super Bowl. So there we go. What was started off strong? How things second half was brutal to watch on our offense. Why why does our offense, we had so many opportunities to just put that game way out of reach and they just puttered. It's bad. Well, I mean, to their credit, like Baltimore is a very, very good defense. Mm. I think I th- if I were building a defense, Roquan Smith would be my first pick. That guy is oh. all over the field all yeah. the time. Yeah, that's true. Um, he's incredible. I think what happened was, I mean, one, our offensive line was a little beat up, right? Our tackles have kind of been garbage all year. Sure. Um, but they did phenomenal for the first, most of the first half. The yeah. last couple drives, couple holding penalties. And then Joe Thune, um, mm. Nick algoritty or whatever like filled in brilliantly but in the second half they started to get overwhelmed a little bit mm-hmm. um and in the beginning those short passes out to the the horse you know get your wide receivers moving horizontal hit them like we were getting yeah 
nine, 10 yards yeah. every time we did it in the yeah. first half. Well, they right. figured that out. Yeah. And then we just stalled. Yeah. But it was a very but good defense, defense man. Yeah. Defense has carried us all year, which is this. That's what's so different about this team is if we win the Super Bowl, it's going to be because of the defense. It's not going to be necessarily because Patrick Mahomes balled out, although that may still happen too. But I, I mean, Four Niners, they're really good. I mean, last night they played a really, really good Lions team. So, yeah. How was the things at the uh, Michelle house yesterday when you guys watched the game? Oh, dude, Asher was like, he was strangely calm. Like, usually now he is like, I have to talk him off a ledge when there's a bad play. Mm. Um, but he was strangely calm. Nice. And he just looks at me and goes, Dad, he goes, because they did a pool at school and he had picked Baltimore oh. um, to beat the Chiefs. Nice. And he goes, why did I do that? I should have just picked my team to go all the way. And I go, yeah, well, you know, you got to have a little faith. And so he's like, I think we can beat anybody, Dad, the way that we're playing. It's like we didn't do great during the regular season, but we hit the playoffs and we just turned it on. It's, it's So, like, we're – like, Sarah's been laughing mm-hmm. um, because the kids have always kind of watched but not really. Sure. And both of them are – like super invested now. They've so they're like the drivers behind, hey, dad, is there a game on? Is there a game on? Nice. And so she now that sees their interest, she's like, well, now I got to get interested. So um, <laughs> she was asked, like, we'd, we were sitting and watching, and she's going, okay, so what's the yellow line? What's the blue line? <laughs> um, and all this stuff. And I love it. when the Packers lost mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and the Bills played Buffalo, mm-hmm. she said to me, she goes, if the Chiefs win this game, I'm going to get a Chiefs uh, sweatshirt. Yes. And yes, so she good. came home from Costco with good. a with a Chiefs sweatshirt. Good. So she's she's been sporting it and getting in on the fan. And so it's become family time. And I don't know that she's real excited about that, but yeah. Well, well it's I been mean, fun. yeah. And it's a short season. It'll be over here pretty soon. Here in about two That's weeks. Right. <laughs> That's right. I don't even have to watch a game next week. That's right. Uh, there we go. Well, national celebration today. This was yesterday on uh, Sunday, January twenty eighth, but it was too good. Hmm. Uh, for me to let let go, so you can celebrate this all week long, mm-hmm. I think. Mm-hmm. And it's Lego Day. Mm. I love it. The colorful plastic bricks known as Lego have entertained children and adults around the world for nearly seventy years. Lego used to make toy buildings, vehicles, creatures, machines, and anything imaginable, and now they can be taken apart and put back together as often as you like. And that means endless creative play. National Lego Day on January 28th celebrates these incredibly ingenious and enriching toys. Mm. So, Ben, what do you think makes Legos so great? <laughs> I think it's just their versatility, man. You know, if mm. if you put them in your mouth, if you want to put them in your mouth, and then get in trouble for, you know, putting things in your mouth that you're not supposed to, you can, you can build a castle. You can build a car. Um, there's just really... The only limits to Legos is your own imagination. That's really it. And so, you know, obviously you can get those Lego boxes where it's designed to make like a spaceship or whatever else. But, you know, we just we just had the generic Lego bo- uh, bin, you know, plastic mm-hmm. bin. Uh, and there were, there were no like, hey, you can make this or you can make that. There were no instructions. It was just the Legos. And by God, we made brick walls. We made forts. Uh, you know, we made houses. Um, we set them out as as traps in case some some robber came barefooted into our house. You know that they would step on them. So yeah, I mean, just just a great uh, 
Yeah, the versatility is is what I think makes Lego so great and timeless. I think you're right. And it's interesting that versatility and the creativity. Lego almost shot themselves in the foot and went under. Mm. Because there were these things like these conferences and stuff popping up where people would build like mm. their own things. Yeah. And they actually like were suing uh, these kind of things, mm. and what ended up happening was people got discouraged and stopped using their product. Interesting. And it was only later, I think, they got somebody in. I don't know if it was a CEO or what, but who like flipped the script on that and actually embraced that and encouraged it, mm. um, and that that really kind of saved their bacon. Interesting. They, and because it is the best part of it. Um, yeah. And I now I think they make some really like phenomenally cool things. Um, Absolutely. And if you go to like, yeah. have you ever been to Legoland? Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, I'm trying to think. In Kansas City, I think there's one. Yeah, we did. We went to that one. I mm-hmm. think that's pretty cool. Or no, we went to the one. I think there's one in Phoenix, like a, a store. Mm-hmm. But and then there's mm-hmm. one, the one in Orlando. If you ever get down there, is wow. something Mega. to behold. I but, bet. Mm-hmm. Um, it's pretty cool. Um, and so I don't know, like when you, so you, it sounds like you just kind of, you guys just had like a giant tub, which is, uh, I've bought Asa a few over the years and yeah. it inevitably turns into just a giant tub, um, <laughs> sure. which I put out in the garage cause I was tired of cleaning them up. And he's like, it took two days before he's like, dad, where are my Legos, man? <laughs> and so I had to get it back out and it happened to be Sunday. I didn't even know it was Lego day, but there you go. Yesterday I dragged How it funny. back out of the garage. Wow. That's good uh, timing. But like, did you have like a favorite set or kind, uh, like of those sets mm-hmm. that were your favorite growing up? You know, I don't even know if we actually had. Um, we might have had like a military themed oh, set, okay. perhaps. Um, Star, maybe Star Wars. I don't know if we had a Star Wars set, but it would have been something more along the the action figure line. You know, when you had the different themed Lego people and. Um, but for the most part, I, th- I think we just had our our generic Lego tub. Nice. Did you have a have a favorite theme? So there are two two varieties that were my favorite. So they had like kind of a medieval knight. Oh like yes, collections. that was a good one. Oh. Mm-hmm. So yeah, and it's mm-hmm. funny. They don't, so they all the all little armor helmets yeah. and the like t- swords and crossbows and shields and so mm. um, that was one where we'd That's like good. yeah make these battles. Uh, and tied to that one, they also had, it was like a little Robin Hood set. So they're like all the little archers with their little, you could put different color feathers in their caps. And, yes. Okay. Um, I remember that too. I think we had friends that had those. We never ended up having those. But every time I went to their house, dude, like I was locked in on those. They were awesome. Oh, yeah. Those, so that, those were like probably my all-time favorite. And then uh, the other one was the pirate version. Dang it. You're you're listing all the one. Okay. Yeah, dude. Yes. So I remember one Christmas where this was when we were living down in <laughs> Kihei, Maui. I just I remember this Christmas because uh-huh. um, my uh, I think my aunt and uncle were in town, and so me and my uncle um, built it was like a giant pirate ship. Mm. Like that's so much fun um, on Christmas. And what I Gosh. loved was they had like the little hook hands, so you could take off the little yellow hands and <laughs> put the, so awesome. the captain hook. Yeah, and, and the legs they had like peg legs uh-huh. Uh-huh. Um, and different things. And so man, dude, and they had little were... different faces like with the stubble or the eye patches yeah. on, on the, the heads. You could kind of um, switch those out and stuff. That was like, yeah, oh gosh, dude, now you're bringing me back to childhood. But again, like like I said, those are all my, my friends had those, and I don't remember us having those, so. 
No, those were great. And now, I mean, my kids mm. got all sorts of varieties. And I don't think they make those classic sets anymore. I've kind of looked for them. Oh, okay. Yeah. And you can you can find them online for like $500 for like a tiny little set or something ridiculous. But Yeah, sure. Um, they've kind of gone on to some different things these days. Um, and then there's the classic space ones, which I, I mm. wasn't as into. I, there's something sure. about that medieval and that pirate that were just fun. That's great. Yeah, all the we- sure. yeah weapons and just especially if you have a good imagination. It was just peak kind of stuff. Yeah. Now, as, like as we talked about all that creativity that people put in, like what's either like if you've just seen it on video or online, or if you've like been physically present in front yeah. of one, what's maybe the coolest Lego build you've ever seen? When we went to um, Union Station in Kansas City over Christmas time, they have their uh, train um, set up, and that's actually up all year. But you know, it's their model trains all over the place, and basically they just decorate the model train setups with Christmas decor. And uh, there was one display that was purely a Lego uh, train setup. And it wasn't, I mean, it was pretty big, but it wasn't, wasn't monster. I've seen bigger Lego displays, but I I just thought it was really neat how they were able to incorporate the Christmas um, decor into this Lego uh, train. And it was like a village and you had people and the trains were actually working. They were kind of going around the track. And so, yeah, it was, it was, and everything was Lego. So yeah, it was, I assume it was custom made specifically for the union station. Um, you know, and so I think there was a little bit of money, uh, put into that. Nice. Yeah. And, uh, I'm trying the one in downtown Disney that I remember is they had the, like a Lego Hulk. Oh, nice. Um, oh, and so it was like, like, like bigger than a, a human. Wow. The, okay. Um, so it uh-huh. was massive. I think I've got it. I think it's Asher that's in front of it, like doing the same flex move <laughs> or whatever. Nice. And so that one was, uh, pretty cool. <laughs> Uh, but one, I saw a video of the other day. They built a life-size X-wing from Star Wars. Wow, I'd love to see that. So in the movie, wow. and like there's a whole substructure. You know, some of it's a little cheating because they have to like do like steel substructure. Sure. So many like those. Yeah. I think they said there's 5.3 million bricks to build that thing. <laughs> um, That's insane. But it's like the wingspan's wow. like 12 feet. Yeah. Is no, the length of it's like 12 meters. And then the wingspan is, it was ridiculous. Yes. Um, so if you, you look up life size X-Wing, um, it's, it, that one's pretty And that's cool. in Florida as well? Where's that at? Uh, that one is in, no, they shipped it out to New York where they unveiled it. And then I think it went to the Legoland in California. Wow, okay. That's where it ended okay. up. Um, so that one's pretty cool. Now, the coolest set I've ever actually seen, like that I wasn't done like by a professional engineer in one of these stores. Mm. My buddy Terry loved Legos. Uh, up in Spokane, Washington. And he had this, it was probably, I want to say three to four foot long Millennium Falcon from Star Wars. <laughs> That's so cool. And I, th- I think it would cost like six or $800. Man, I bet it did. Uh, but they, wow. him and his son were really into Legos and they built it. And it was cool because it has fun. like a little box. So you can actually set it out and yeah. use it as like a showpiece in your house. Yeah, yeah. Uh, which is what they did. That's and pretty it cool. It was pretty awesome that's that's another aspect of this that's is pretty cool is that like you could put puzzles together and this is just a different kind of a puzzle you know and and so you can do it as a as a group as as a family yeah. and just make it a just a family event 
That's pretty yeah, cool. Absolutely. Wow. And it's like because I with Asa, I always used to have to help him be, build, and it's funny to see as the, as they've grown. Mm. Now I'm more the one that does the prep work, and he does more, <laughs> he of, the does more of the building. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's just been fun working with him and seeing him develop those kind of creative skills too over the years. That's awesome. So there you go, Lego Day, folks. Mm. Now that leads us to our Baldy in the Week, <laughs> I who love is this. this is good the classic Lego figurine. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> now, there's not really a story behind this, but I was doing some research, yeah. and I always thought, you know, wait, they just they they're all naturally bald. Yeah. Um, yeah. But in 2013, and I'm not sure what for. I know, like, I've seen a couple of figures. So it was um, in Harry Potter. Oh, who's the old like the the guy who's like the groundskeeper? Oh, Hagrid? Fitch. Oh, Fitch. Oh, yeah. Yeah, F- or Filch. Filch or whatever Filch? his name yeah. is. Yeah. <laughs> so I know he's he's one that wore the one of these. So that might be one, huh. of the, one of the reasons they created it or if there were other characters. But in 2013, they made a balding Lego piece. <laughs> so if you're familiar with Legos, like, right, your little guy comes out. He's got his yellow head with a yeah. little, like, um, I forget what they call that little Connecting piece. piece. Where you can attach the, yeah. Um, any hmm. kind of hair. So there's always like, you know, you can make it the long, beautiful flowing hair for a girl. You can do the little um, clean cut cap or like there's just tons of different things you can do. Well, they yeah. actually made kind of like a balding headpiece that you can put on. Um, That's great. A Lego man. So what, what do you think of that? How does that look? It makes me think of Kevin from the office. Oh yeah. <laughs> that's yeah. what I, that's what I originally thought. And now, you know, I'm going to go, <laughs> I'm gonna Google. I'm gonna go to Amazon and see if they have an office Lego set. The office Lego set. Oh God, please let there be. Oh, I'm sure you oh. can. Well, you can always go and make those like little figurines at the Legoland. Like oh. they have the whole sets where you can miss and match. You you could actually go and design if it doesn't exist, man. I love it. You now, can make a whole office. This setup. is sort of the the you know yeah he he's balding. He's got like three stripes of hair going over the top and then he's got the crown going on you know yeah, and i will crusty. never yeah the crusty. I, I will never judge uh anyone's balding setup you know but i would just encourage i mean it, just if you're okay with it just shave off the crown just shave it off just go all you the way I mean? but still it, i think it's still important that balding people uh, are represented by lego so i appreciate that I, I do, and like I was going to ask this follow up question: What is it necessary? Like I, I kind of yeah. feel like the standard Lego guy. <laughs> yeah, he already is comes just as beautifully bald as you can get. It's so true. It's it's a good point. Yeah, I don't know if it's necessary. Um, I think if they wanted to do a balding one, just do just a, a straight up, um, you know, because obviously with the with the yellow head, you know, maybe if you just did like a smooth dome. Just smooth yeah. that that out. That would be great. I think they got. I think I saw that they do okay. have that piece too. So. Okay. So, well, as long as they have the different pieces, but uh, I think people will enjoy when when I mention the Baldy of the week, the Lego fit. Yeah, I mean, it just made he he is like he. That's the standard. He comes bald, and then if you he want to add bald. hair, you have to add hair. Yeah. So. And it, it's and you're really only you're not improving on the original yeah. at that point. Right. So anyway, there you go. The Lego figurine, hmm. that classic little two dots and that smile. And what I do love, it's been fun over the years to see how they've taken that basic structure, again, of a body, yeah. 
a set of legs, a, a body or, and a torso, a head and two hands. And yeah. you can like change out any of those. Essentially, it's what? One, two, three, four, five parts. Yeah. And you can add, like you said, hair or a hat hmm. or a helmet or whatever. And the endless, the endless combinations yeah. that can exist based on just five interchangeable parts. Truly, truly. Pretty crazy. I love it. That's so good. Now, I don't know. I think, obviously, as, as the years have gone on, Lego has really leaned into that and made more and more accessories. So kids who are growing up with Legos now did, nowadays have it so good. It was so good because we just didn't have as many options growing up. But I think we were still pretty satisfied with what we had. So There you go. The Lego minifig, our body of the week. Just so you know, $4 billion were produced worldwide as of 2020. Four, four billion Legos? Four billion Lego figurines, minifigs. Oh, wow. So there you go. Justin. It's a thing. Wow. It's a thing, folks. That's pretty cool. So you guys had a kind of a special Sunday. Yeah. It was a little different. Yeah. You want to tell us a little bit about that? Yeah. We called it Eucharisteo. It's the Greek, we give thanks, I give thanks. The idea was to, um, I thought about doing this at the end of last year. To, you know, talk, talk about things that people ask questions. Hey, what's going on with the budget or what's, what's going on with this or that? Just kind of give people a peek behind the curtain and then also um, some things to think about as we go on into the new year. So we obviously the ending of the, of the year is just not a good. There's so many things going on already. So we <laughs> pushed it on to January. And you know how we usually do the fifth Sunday services and we combine both services. Well, we didn't have a fifth Sunday in January, but we felt we you really got to do it in that first month of January, yeah. you know, to, to really be effective. And, and, um, and so we just decided, okay, last Sunday of January, and we brought both services together, uh, had, we called them highlights, five different highlights throughout the service, had our elder chair get up and speak, our deacon chair speak, uh, Tanya with children and, and outreach missions, Cindy with, um, her and Ron got up and talked about the budget and finances. And then I kind of got up and did um, a little bow tie on everything, kind of put it together, did, did a mini sermon. And uh, we, the service lasted about an hour and a half, which is about 30 minutes longer than a usual service. It was interspersed with some, some really good uh, congregational songs, good worship songs. And then instead of having communion at the center, we had communion at the very end. So my kind of like what you guys do there at Harvest, which I, I love that setup um, where the, the message leads to communion, which is a response to, to the word. And so that's kind of what, what we did. It was, um, was received very well from, from what I've heard. Um, really wanted to focus on just celebrating um, pre the previous year and um, and then also whet people's appetite for uh, ministry uh, in this in this new year, and give our staff and some of the lay leaders an opportunity to invite people to be involved in different things that they're that they're passionate about. And uh, awesome. and then we had a chili cook off, soup cook off, following that. It's what, what a capstone, right? <laughs> it was it was great, man. It was a and it was a it was a fundraiser for the youth mission trip. And uh, did, you, I, did I see Mark Pennington had a clean sweep on that? He did. He did. So 
And if you had a pie competition, he probably would have swept that one too. <laughs> he probably would, yeah. Um, although I will stay clear of his gooseberry pie for personal reasons uh, in the future. But <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, we we figured out um, that if you're going to do a soup and chili cook-off, you have to have separate awards for soup and chili. So that was we'll we'll change it up next year. Um, because I, I found out that actually, um, out of all the chilies, yours truly won that out of all the chilies. So I'm going to make my own award and present it to myself next Sunday, uh, for (laughs) winning the chili award that didn't exist. Uh, (laughs) I am really thinking about doing that. Just printing off like a certificate and framing it and stuff. Um, (laughs) yeah, Mark made a corn chowder and, and so we basically had people, uh, after eating like 30 minutes, we had like a 30 minute tasting period and we had these little three ounce cups and everybody just went around, tasted as many chili soups and desserts. The youth brought desserts as well. Um, and, uh, we did about a 10 minute voting period. And so then people took cash or check and they could divvy that out to any soup, any dessert that they wanted to. And then to make sure that everybody felt welcome, even if you didn't have money, we had, chili bucks and dessert bucks. I just printed them off, you know, made them on Canva and everybody got one dessert buck, one chili buck to give to their top all time favorite. And so, um, for the chili awards, the most valuable, the MVB most valuable, uh, (laughs) uh, that obviously Mark won that with, with his, uh, corn chowder. And then, uh, he won the people's choice, where people could give that one chili buck to wherever they wanted it to go. So, nice. so yeah, it was good. It Dude, was a- those were so much fun. We used to do that as a fundraiser for our uh, students going to Israel down in Florida. Oh yeah, okay, okay. Um, yeah, yeah. And so we, it was only chili, sure. But we would do. We actually had them set up booths and like decorate it by themes. Oh, I love it. That's we had awesome. a, we had a few different categories. You could do spiciest, okay, um, like best decorated booth. Most like interesting, I think ingredient. Yeah, and so we gave okay. people like three, like like the chili box. Uh-huh. We gave them three slips of paper where they could vote on those. Sweet. And then your all time favorite, we did it through the cash to get the the fundraiser. Gotcha. Okay. Uh, okay. A piece of it. And I then love it. We did desserts as an auction too, which was fun. That I mean, you can make a, a lot of money in a fundraiser like that, and and yeah, oh. the the congregation gave two thousand close to two thousand dollars for that one fundraiser, and the youth they were. You know, filling up filling up the sample uh, cups and stuff for everybody. They did a great job setting up. So, yeah. well, and just so you know, if you throw a pie in the face into the dessert <laughs> auction, uh, the pastor, yeah, Ooh. you can probably get a couple hundred bucks. I mean, huh. it's funny what I'll people think will about pay. Them. Yeah, to nail their pastor <laughs> in the face with the whipped cream pie <laughs> to humiliate their pastor. Uh, that's great. One of the best things was like <laughs> our my my buddy Matt, who was our kind of administrative pastor. He he loved snickerdoodles. Oh yeah. And so there's this one lady mm. in the church who would always make her like famous snickerdoodles for Matt, uh, but she'd put them in there, and a bidding war would inevitably happen. Nice. And I think one year Matt had to pay twelve hundred bucks to get this plate of cookies, like just <laughs> on his own. It was like that is awesome. But, because wow. one of those people in the church who had a little extra scratch is sure. like always going to get into a bidding war with Matt to see if they could get those cookies. <laughs> Absolutely. It was fun. <laughs> that's so funny. Oh, my well, gosh. Well, dude, that's awesome. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, I mean, I'm glad you guys were able to say, we should do that more, right? To really yeah. take the time to look back yeah. and see what God has done yeah, for over sure. the course of a year. Hmm. 
Because um, I'm sure there are people sharing stories or different things. Where you're like, oh yeah, that happened. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and that was, um, it was just scratching the surface, which is. Um, we try to remind people that this is not all inclusive of everything that happened. And, and the closing, uh, what I did for closing, you know, I talked about, um, the total attendance number, everybody that walked into the church on a Sunday morning, you know, what that total attendance number was. And it was like 11,602, which compared to the previous year was like 1500 more, uh, that came in the doors in 2023 than 2022. And so it was like really cool. And the average attendance was up and it just, it, it just was such a cool thing. But then, uh, as I was calculating those numbers last week, the thought came to me was, what does Jesus think of 11,602? So that was like the question. And then, and then it was like, all I saw in my mind was just the number one. Mm. Hey, Jesus cares about, about one, one life changed. And, and so I invited people to take out their, <laughs> their phones and I said, open up your camera app and stare into that camera app. I said, what, is, what does Jesus think about 11,602? Well, you're looking at it right there in your camera app. And then I told him to show it show it to your neighbor, show your neighbor who, what they look like, let them look into your phone, you know, and, and it kind of just brought it back home that, you know, what God is doing in your life, like you're bigger than that that number on the screen right there. Your your story matters, your experiences matter. And then I invited them to think of themselves as um, not just individuals doing their own thing, but individuals being built up into a spiritual house as individual stones. So, and that led into communion and uh, it was just a good, felt the spirit and it was just a much needed uh, time together. So, and um, weather was, man, yesterday was, the sun came out for the first time in like two weeks, dude. Yeah. The sun, yeah. I love the sun. It is nice. I know it's like supposed to be 60 out there today. I'm going to like, after we get off the podcast, I'm going to go for a walk. <laughs> That's a good idea. Yeah. 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 So well, right on brother. I'm glad you guys yeah. were able to do that. Thank you. Giving me, giving me some ideas to ponder there. For sure. Yeah. Um, what, what, what happened at harvest this past weekend? So yeah, we're, we're just continuing in the lectionary test text yeah. from the gospel. And, uh, again, this, this week it was, it was Mark one twenty one through 28. Mm. And again, I'll just read this, and yeah. then we can kind of talk about it for Let's a little bit. But, uh, and so, and they went into a Capernaum, and immediately on the Sabbath, he saw he entered the synagogue and was teaching. And they were astonished at his teaching, for he taught them as one who had authority, not as the scribes. And immediately there was in their synagogue a man with an unclean spirit, and he cried out, "What have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth?" Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. But Jesus rebuked him, saying, Be silent and come out of him. And the unclean spirit convulsing him and crying out with a loud voice came out of him. And they were all amazed, so that they questioned among themselves, saying, What is this? Mm. A new teaching with authority. He commands even the unclean spirits, and they obey him. And at once his fame spread everywhere, Mm throughout all of the surrounding region of Galilee. Hmm. Hmm. So, I, I mean, this passage, uh, I think, is a just it's an interesting start to the ministry of Jesus with his disciples in the Gospel of Mark. Yeah. yeah. So essentially, he's gone through the temptation. He begins his ministry saying, you know, here comes the kingdom, gathers these four fishermen, 
uh, to himself. And I mean, it, it's almost, it just feels like this is like day one yeah. of ministry with Jesus. Mm, yeah. <laughs> Welcome. <laughs> no kidding. Throw him into the deep end. Oh, gosh. Um, but I, one of the things I, I find interesting in this passage is the connection of his authoritative teaching mm. and his power over unclean spirit, that those things are, are somehow connected or attached. And I, I think it's fair to say in the Gospels that the summary of Jesus' ministry is often he's, he's preaching the Gospel sure. and doing wonder-working powers. Um, but what this just highlighted for me, those aren't two separate things, right? That they're actually hmm. deeply um, interconnected in some way. Sure. And so I thought, what, like, do you think there's, why do you think there's such a close association between those two things? Maybe what's, what is the significance of that? Yeah. Um, so in watching the, the chosen, um, in the, in the first episode, they, introduce you to Mary Magdalene, who's um, mm. demon-possessed, and um, the uh, character Nicodemus. Mm. They have some scenes of him going to uh, do an exorcism to drive out yeah. the demon, and he's unable to. And you could see him as he's getting ready to go and see her face-to-face. Like, he's sweating bullets, man. He <laughs> he's, he's worried, and he, he just looks as wide-eyed as... Anyone else, like who, anyone else, who would step from the outside with no religious training, no doctrinal training, you know, you would you would expect that there would be a certain level of confidence from these mm. these rabbis who probably had seen it before, and so I, you know, that's of course that's the chosen's depiction of it. But I mean, I guess we, we were kind of led to assume that the the rabbis, the re, the religious teachers of the day. Um, seem to not show any sort of authority over uh, demonic spirits in, in a way that they just, people were just helpless. Um, and I guess that's really what we see, why so many demon-possessed people are going to Jesus to be to be freed, is because no one's able to cast him out, you know? And so, yeah, I, I kind of wonder um, what the people saw um and what they thought about the rabbis and and the religious leaders, um, and and maybe if they thought they were just kind of weak and anemic and didn't want to get their hands dirty doing things that scared them. Yeah, it was interesting. <clears throat> Gary, who preached on this passage, you know, I had mentioned that in, in Mark's gospel a number of times he mentions the fact that Jesus is from Nazareth hmm. or emphasizes that that he like is from the Galilee. And again, to that original audience, uh, Nazareth in particular, but Galilee as a whole region, was kind of known for its disinterest in the Torah um, and just kind of known as a place that mm. didn't, didn't really want to serve God and follow in obedience. Yeah. And he, I mean, like I, it was a good thought, I think, to raise was like, is it this kind of influence mm. That was behind some of that, sure. and like you said, the the rabbi who says, you know, Galilee, you're gonna like <laughs> your end is the Romans or whatever, mm. spent like 18 years of his life trying to establish like a rabbinic mm. ministry there. Wow. Um, and part of the problem might be people resistant because of demonic activity, but it was also like they lacked the authoritative teaching yeah. and the truth that Jesus mm. had that could actually set people free from that. And I mean, I, I like that's a it's a great thought because it's like, man. Yeah. Um, 
yeah, the, the ineffectiveness of getting those things established might be because, again, they just lacked the, the truth telling and the, the power mm. working that Jesus had. Yeah, 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 because you see when Jesus calls out the demons, he's calling them by name and he's basically calling them out for what they're doing to the person. I was curious what the Greek word was for authority, so I just did a quick thing on sure. the, the Blue Letter Bible, um, which is a great place if if you just need to look up something quick. But it's the word exousia. But like this is the like the different connotations that go along with that word exousia is um, privilege, force, capacity. Here's a big one: competency, <laughs> mastery, superhuman. Um, delegated influence, jurisdiction, power, strength, and so yeah. So there's all of these. It it would just seem like the it's interesting and telling that the people were so like, oh my gosh, here's here's one who's he's showing off this these qualities of of exousia of of authority and mastery and comp competency like mm. competency of of what he's supposed to do or what people you know would assume a rabbi should or would do sure that's a, yeah i i mean it's it's a pretty fascinating thing to think about how those are uh connected and one of the things that gary also i think tied uh together was again the work of the enemy, right? Satan, the, called the father of lies. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> that that deception is one of the the major tactics in enslaving us. Yeah. And yeah. so I, th- I thought that was another way that I felt like that was a good good connection between that idea of gotcha. that wonder working power of uh, of being able to exercise demons, but also the authoritative teaching being associated mm. and that, um, I mean, he kind of pointed out too, that, uh, in the text, there's not really no way to know, you know, why this man was in the synagogue, but you know, one way of kind of reading it is, is he was there and there might've been something off of him. And mm. he, you know, he said a lot of times I think we think of demon possessed and we think of Hollywood, right? Sure. Like the head oh. spinning around and <laughs> yeah, sure. green vomit spewing <laughs> everywhere. Yeah. And he's he's saying you don't necessarily there are places maybe with like the garrison demoniac where he's cutting himself and mm. living in tombs that looks a little you know more obvious, um, but with this guy something might have been off. But it was like probably comfortable enough for people to that where he's maybe in the synagogue and maybe there regularly, mm. even being a part of the community. Interesting. Um, yeah. And I thought yeah I thought that was an interesting hmm. talk too that. Mm. Um, the fact that this guy could might have been a regular and active part of the community, and maybe this kind of demonic influence wasn't as obvious or as overt as yeah. sometimes we think right. uh, of those things. Um, one, that that deception piece kind of being hel- helpful. Sure. But two, just as we bring it into our world, I think we mm. sometimes think we don't. And why don't we encounter these things? Why don't we ever think about those? That, <laughs> sure. And <that> maybe, <laughs> yeah. Actually, this isn't as extreme as we think it is. Right. As far as the way it looked, yeah. um, and is it maybe do we actually encounter this more often than we we maybe even realize? Mm. That's that's a good uh, time. 
Mm-hmm. And so I don't know, like as mm-hmm. you've wrestled through that, like um, do you think there might be some significance to maybe some of these encounters being to just the human eye, may, maybe less overt or obvious? Uh, maybe that actually helps us, especially in our, our context, mm-hmm. maybe realize, oh, no, we live in this same world, whether we sometimes think that or not. Yeah, no, you're you're absolutely right. Um, it, it seems like where there's more of that interaction between um, the the exorcisms and the demonic activity that's very like really changing a person's behavior. We, you really seem to see that in a lot of these third world countries and places that are um, uh, outside. Of, I mean, we still see it from time to time in the United States, but I think we we call it other things, um, sure. you know. And we're we're more quick to say, well, it, no, that's a mental thing, or that's a, and it could be. But I, you know, I think there's so, there's kind of probably a fine line between some of that stuff. But you know, you think about the demoniac in one of the stories in the Gospels, who that guy was so demon possessed that he was living out in the graveyard. Um, you know, and and he was outside of the community. Everybody knew um, that he was demon possessed, and so yeah, it makes you think like this individual in, in the synagogue must have just had enough sanity there that people didn't think. You know, here, here's a guy that's demon possessed that they probably didn't know. And so, yeah, that does that does make me wonder at, at times where is um, demonic influence perhaps hiding in our world, um, in in our churches. And you know, I'm not I'm not one who's um, seeking out to to like where's every de- like I'm not a demon hunter. Sure, right. Like I don't I I, I don't crave uh, <laughs> like I've never done I've never done a. a um, uh, exorcism i've seen it happen before growing up of course in the pentecostal church sure um, we had some revival camp meetings and stuff where it was some very serious stuff and it was very real i mean you know i, I remember very vividly uh, one such uh, incident but that was just you know a handful of times in my life and the rest of the time it seems like the demonic activity in in our part of the world seems to be very subtle and working under the surface because i think if people saw it for what it is um there would be alarm bells right there there would be like oh we we better rid ourselves of these things we better see what is the root cause of uh, these possessions that's opening up these doors into people's lives and homes and uh, and so I, yeah, I, well, what's what's that book that C.S. Lewis writes? Um, uh, oh, the screw tape letters. Screw tape letters. Yeah, I think that's so good. I, I need to pull that out again and read it. But I think that's a good. That book is a good example of how crafty and cunning um, mm. the dark spiritual forces are. They know what they're they know what they're doing, um, and and yeah. they're going to do their they're going to try their very best. Um, and and it's not a one size fits all. Uh, for them in dealing with people and with nations and communities, they're just, they're going to find the 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 weaknesses and vulnerabilities, and they will expose that however they wish. And, and it just seems like, like I said, in our culture, it's it's a little more under the surface, hanging out in the synagogue rather than being out living in the in the cemetery. Yeah. Well, that, that, and that's I mean I I love that that story is there too because like that's a very real thing. But like yeah, just the fact that it's in yeah right kind of the house and the center of their their worship yeah like that was just kind of one of those things where man I hadn't really stopped to think about the significance of that mm. for thinking about like you said that's when you step in to church on Sunday again not that we're trying to figure out oh who's got the demon but it's like. <laughs> 
it's not yeah. like we're in, impenetrable to someone yeah. who's got those kind of influences stepping in the house and, and praise sure. God because they could find healing in that space. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but we might not have to go far. <laughs> Um, to <laughs> to understand that that kind of yeah. influence is probably yeah. probably happening. Yeah, I agree. Um, mm-hmm. And I think, that, like you said, if you think of it in terms of the deception, because mm. I think we're so easy to like mm. think of the, the possession piece. That's good. When you think of again the way the mm. enemy works, if it's mainly through deception, right? It's going okay. Where people believe lies, yeah. And I think like this is where it, it gets so hairy when you're trying to like preach on these things. <laughs> Um, right. Cause like in one sense, I like, I honestly believe where there's sin, yeah. like de- demonic influence is, is present. Sure. But for you to say like, well, you know, <laughs> yeah, if you're struggling with this or you might have it, like, it's not necessarily like, oh, you're possessed or whatever, sure, but it's like, sure. no, there's, there's a lie at work and the enemy's fingerprints mm-hmm. are on mm-hmm. wherever there's sin happening. Not sure. that he forces to do it. Not that we right. don't contribute to it. Uh, not that he takes us over, right? But I don't care. I mean, pick your your issue mm. in society or whatever it is. If it runs counter to the truth of God and His anti-gospel, mm. then then there's demonic influence at work there. Sure. And I, like I have found, like if you say that, people get real squeamish. Are you saying so and so's got a demon? And I'm like, yeah. I like, I, I, no, I'm not trying to say like they're possessed. At the same time, I want yeah. us to stop thinking. Yeah. Those people are the ultimate enemy. Right. They're being influenced. They're being deceived. And I think that's just such an important theological truth. Yeah. And it's so funny because it's Mm. like, we're not going to set people free if we're not able to say that. But then even our churches, I think Mm. we get squeamish around that. Right. Right. In the sense of, and we almost do a disservice to the people we're supposed to be ministering to because we're not really, Mm. we're not willing to say you're enslaved, yeah. but whether in your thinking or whatever, to deception and dark spiritual powers. Yeah. And until we're willing to really own that, we won't minister mm. to them with the fervor that we should. That's we're never true. going to tell them the truths that they really need to hear to be set free. Yeah. No, that's, uh, that's a, I think, um, a good thing to ponder. And there's v- very little balance. You know, like I said, growing up Pentecost, it was like, yeah. You know, just going to like trying to pick fights with every demon, whether there was one there or not. And then in other denominations of the context, it's just would rather just not not talk about it because, yeah, it yeah. does make people feel feel uncomfortable. And um, again, like most people, if they were to come into contact with a demon possessed person, they would look like the rabbis of Jesus Day who would like, I don't okay, um, who are we going to call? <laughs> Ghostbusters. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, or one might argue they might be the yeah. Pharisees of Jesus's day who are like yeah. again being greatly yeah. I'm sure. Yeah. I mean, it might have been human ingenuity and jealousy that was like, you know what, we should just kill this guy. Mm, mm. But I'm open to the idea that there yeah. might have been some whispers in the spiritual realm. I think so. Around that sort of thing. Mm. And that's like I don't know. This it was just a good um a good week to just go, okay. Mm. One, this is what Jesus dropped his disciples into immediately. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Go out like, and... Uh-huh. Hey, guys, this is the game we're playing. Yeah. You think Rome is the problem? Yeah. Yeah. No. Gosh. No, there is a, there is a, a whole other a enemy. deeper set of things uh-huh. going on here. Yeah, yeah. Um, and mm. I think that is just enormously significant. Mm. And that as yeah. he started to wow. minister with these guys... 
It was, and I think it's funny. I've been prepping for this week. I think they miss it. Because hmm. so after this, right? G, it says his fame spreads. Yeah. I'll give you a little preview of where sure. I'm going. Um, or you preaching? One, I think Jesus is. You know, one of the things that Satan offers him, not in the Gospel of Mark, but in other places, is mm -hmm. all the kingdoms of the earth. Yep. Um, and Jesus says no, but as he does this, fame spreads, and then all these. Uh, well, first he goes into Simon and Andrew's house with James and John and heals Peter's mother-in-law. And I think this little scene is like, it's in the quiet, like, so his fame spreading and what he does is escape to this little quiet space, mm. heals this woman who asks, never asks for it. People ask on her behalf. Yeah. When he heals her, she immediately starts up and, and starts serving other people. Mm. And I feel like you get this little scene of, hey, this is what... This is what this is supposed to look like. Gotcha. And then yeah. you get these flood of hordes of people coming into the thing, getting healed. And so Jesus does this, you know, sets them free from diseases and demons. Um, but then the next day he's got to get up super early and just get out of there. Mm. And Simon comes to him and says, look, everyone's looking for you. And he goes, we're going to move on. <laughs> and like i think simon's got the like the the fame bug yeah, there yeah and the the crowds are coming to jesus not because of who he is yeah right um but because what he can do he's yeah. he be a useful jesus sure so i'll probably talk a little oh, yeah. bit about how you know we if jesus becomes useful to us we're in a dangerous mm -hmm, place mm -hmm. um and so, but then that, that fame thing, and it's just, it, it's a reminder that, oh, one, the rising fame, but also I think this, hey, it's, it's a growing gathering. Yeah. Again, that being set free from Rome. I think they missed the synagogue piece of like what the, the, the battle we're fighting and the ministry we're doing is just on a different plane. Mm -hmm. And so it'll be interesting yeah. to kind of explore that. I'm, I'm trying to think how those two scenes are connected a little bit. So I'm still wrestling it'll be, through it. It'll be fun. Yeah. I'm, I'll be preaching on that text as well. So we can, we can okay. geek out over that next week and, and uh, yeah, see what common threads come up. It'll be a good time. I love it. No, it's, it's, um, these are some good texts here. And, um, yeah. And, you know, and uh, just a kind of a closing thought about the, um, the authority that Jesus preached with, that he mm. taught with, I think is connected to then the passage that we're going to read next week. That authority then comes from his taking time away. Uh, mm. And connecting to that relationship with his father, that you know, and that's that's the sole source of his power and authority. He he connects with his father. He knows the Holy Spirit is with him, and and so it, it flows from that. And I think that's um, practical stuff for us as Christians today. Um, if if we <laughs> live lives that are uh, timid, um, mm. you know, then perhaps we need to. Get alone with Jesus a little bit more and um, let him empower us. Yeah, it's interesting. He goes right out, back out to the desolate place, the yeah. desert. Yeah. And it's all, it's funny. Like he's tempted there the first time. Now uh, he's going out there. It almost feels like to get away from the temptation to like make a name for himself. Hmm. I don't know. There's like, yeah. Mm, there's some anyway, stuff there. that'll be, it'll be fun. We'll for geek us to out. Start with, that'll be nice. Man. <laughs> There it comes around. I love well, awesome. It. Any final thoughts as we land the plane today there, bud? Mm. Um, just enjoy the sunshine, man. Just enjoy the God's creation seasons. Uh, you know, that's just the thing. Um, 
if you don't like this season, well, just just wait a few days. Things things change. So, <laughs> God is the one constant in this life. The one it. constant. I love it. Well, folks, Baldy buddies, thanks for listening. Have another great week, and beware of those bears. Grace and peace out. <laughs>